Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you. Welcome to Series 3 of the Tim Hill Podcast. In the last two series, I've told you about my life. I've met many interesting people along the way who have become my friends and what they all have in common is they have fascinating stories of their own which they are happy to share with you now. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to have a chat with Phil. Phil lives in New York at the moment and Phil's going to tell us where and when he was born He's going to describe what it was like where he grew up, the schools he went to, and the education that he received. So, Phil, over to you. Yeah, um, from New York, and I've lived here all my life. Haven't moved. Met my wife here, uh, which is really awesome. Met my wife over at Nyack College. Uh, that's where I went to to school. And uh, yeah, it's it's really cool being in New York. You know, it's a very uh, busy place. Uh, a lot of people are working and doing things all the time, and uh, yeah. Um, so, so where whereabouts in New York? Not yeah, so cause... right now we're about twenty miles out from the city. Originally, I grew up in Long Island. Uh, that's originally where oh, I grew right. up, and that's on, that's on the, the East Coast, there, isn't it? Yeah, so it's like the suburbs of the city, um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of like living on Long Island was kind of like a bubble sort of thing because it would take up about three hours during rush hour to get to New York city, uh, even though it's like only like 15 to 20 miles away. Um, so is that, is that driving? Yeah, that's driving. Yeah. So, so taking the tube or, or the, uh, the, the, what do they call it? What's the, what's the, the, tra- the train? The train. Yeah. yeah the train, train. Uh, yeah. 40 minutes. Um, yeah. you know, 40, 30, 40 minutes. Um, yeah. Right from where I grew up. So yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's New York for you. So let's let's go back because you jumped quite a bit. Yeah, you sure. almost went to college. Yeah. yeah. So you didn't get born and went to college. No. So so <laughs> what were the street what were the streets like in, in Long Island? Yeah, so um I grew up in Long Island. Uh like I said, you know, was born there. Um, you know, spent some time with my big Italian family. Um you know, we, we ate pasta every single Sunday and um, <laughs> even Monday it was chicken cutlet day and we lived right next door from our grandma and we would come home and our grandma would greet us. And it was like basically living in Italy, but being in Long Island, um, you know, I'm Italian uh, in nature. My, my, my mom was born in Italy and um, my dad, my dad's whole family is Italian. Like, so I'm, I'm pretty Italian. Uh, my last name is super long, 14 letters. It's strangle legali. Uh, it means, yeah, it, it's, it's got a complex meaning, uh, strangle the roosters. Um, so that, that, that's really complex, I guess. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of in a nutshell, you know, kind of what my, what my family's about, what it was like growing up, you know, I went to, um, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, uh, was definitely on a path of discovery. I didn't really do was that, that well. Was that, 
Were those schools all on Long Island? Yeah, all on Long Island. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, Keen, you come from an Italian family. Yeah. Are you bilingual? Do you speak Italian? I speak a little bit, but uh, I understand. Uh, it's weird because one side of my family, like my mom's side, speaks a different dialect. It's almost like French. And then my dad's side speaks another dialect that's kind of like street sort of Italian. Um, you know, so it sounds different. And, and growing up was kind of confusing sometimes, especially going to uh, to different grandmas. And, you know, I would say yeah. things in a certain dialect and my other grandma would be like, what are you saying? Uh, yeah, so it was really funny. But yeah, I, uh, I grew up in Long Island, went to, you know, all the schooling and everything. You know, I wasn't the best student. Um, I really wasn't. I wasn't the best writer. Um, you know, I wasn't the best um, at math or science. And, you know, some of the times so I didn't really... What I didn't was really your elementary that. school like? Well, let's have a look at your elementary school. Yeah. How big was it? Was, was, was it full of Italian kids? It was very, like, very, very diverse. Uh, the demographic was very diverse. Um, there were a lot of different um, ethnicities, a lot of different people from all around the world. Um, honestly, you know, I live in New York, so it's a very diverse place. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's what I grew up around. I grew up around diversity, um, you know, people with all different names and, you know, it was a great place to, to grow up and learn. And, uh, yeah, that's the elementary school. I was kind of like the class clown around fourth, fifth grade. And then eventually middle school, sixth, seventh grade, I was still the class clown, even eighth grade. I, I, uh, prided myself in being, one of the, I tried to be one of the funniest kids, um, in school. It's like, I have to tell a joke. And if I make everybody laugh, if I make one person laugh today, then I did my job. <laughs> like, that, was, that was like my goal of the day. Um, you know, I and the teachers uh, didn't say it that way, did they? What's that? I bet the teachers didn't say it that way. No, especially the substitute teachers. So oh, man, I let them have it sometimes. <laughs> Oh, was it? Yeah. I, I, I was not, I was not that, uh, yeah, I was that class clown. So, um, that happened. And then, you know, I, I kind of went through a season of my life where I realized I needed to grow in responsibility. That was when I was like a freshman and sophomore in high school, um, where I really started to grow as a person. I started to realize that, um, there were a lot of things happening in my life and I needed, um, some grounding, you know, so I am, I am a man of faith, you know, and I, I, uh, me personally, like, you know, my faith is in Jesus. And like, I came to faith, um, you know, when I was around in 10th grade. Um, and then I just started leaning on that faith. And, you know, I moved forward, you know, in a lot of aspects in my life, junior year, then went on then senior year, I played football, American football. Um, right. Yeah. Well, that was about that in a minute. Let's, let's just yeah. have a look at, um, you say 10th grade, you, you just, you're obviously, if you're Italian, you, you're high, highly likely to be a Catholic. Yeah, so um, I did. So, I did grow up. I so did what was that up. like, Graham? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. were they sort of fiercely Catholics, uh, Italian Catholics, and, and yeah, you to the, yeah. To, so, mm-hmm. so I did grow up Roman Catholic, um, and uh, you know, I, I kind of went because it was a duty, you know, because it was something that I had to do. Um, you know, I had to fulfill and do like a checklist type of thing. Um, but it wasn't until how many, how many times did you have to go to confession and do the old spectacles? I actually only did confession one time. 
um, one time and that was uh, for confirmation duty. Yeah, it was only one time that I ever did confession. We've all been mucking about you did at school. You didn't didn't make it confess anything. Hey, I practice a lot of confession now. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, But in a different different way, you know. Um, So it, it really wasn't until 16, like when I was around 16 years old, where I still, you know, I started to own my faith. I started to own that and... You know, I, I did go to, um, you know, what people would call um, sort of like a Christian church. And like, you know, I was around like youth group and stuff, um, you know, where I felt a sense of belonging. And I felt, you know, that my faith was growing. And that's honestly uh, what really led me to go to the school that I went to. I went to Nyack College. I studied pastoral ministry. Uh, a lot of people uh, don't know that about me. Uh, you know, I say that and they're like, oh, my gosh like lights go off in their head and they're just like, you studied to be a pastor. And like, I'm just like, well, yeah, I did. Um, you know, it was really fascinating to me. I wanted to grow more in my faith and, uh, you know, learn a lot about that. So. So. Let's have a look at this. So you went through, you you saw elementary into high school, junior high, and you got into high school yeah. And that's, that's when you, you, was it an epiphany you had? Yeah. So there was one, there was, there was one was, night. Was something you brought on this faith? Yeah. There was one night, you know, where I was just feeling really low, um, you know, in my life. And I was just feeling like disappointment after disappointment. It wasn't necessarily like a specific, I guess, circumstance, but I was just feeling like a huge disappointment. Um, and I remember praying. I prayed a real prayer. Like never, I never really prayed. And I prayed a real prayer. And I was like, God, if you're real, show me. And I remember going out and I went for a run. And when I went on this run, a car, you know, like how cars pull into driveways, like really slowly, like this car pulled into the driveway so fast and like nearly hit me. And, you know, I was, I just, the guy got out of the car and he was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And, I like, I was like, I could have got hit by a car like right then and there. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was kind of living a way to which, you know, I didn't really care. I didn't care about certain things and like all this stuff. And it honestly, that moment, you know, I really felt like there was this almost like love that like, you know, was shown to me, um, to where, you know, I realized that I needed to, I needed to change my life. You know, I I needed to move forward and do something different. So I guess if if that's a specific moment, it 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 is. So that was a catalyst that put you on a different a different road, I guess. Really, yeah, uh, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what would have happened if you hadn't have gone on the other part? Where where possibly would that have led you? Would you end up joining you know, one of the, the the gangs and having knife fights and? and doing mm-hmm. a bit of dancing and stuff like that in like yeah, West Side I probably, Story. I probably, uh, you know, I wasn't yeah, going down that hardcore path. I, I feel like eventually I would have. Eventually mm-hmm. I would have gone down that hardcore path. Eventually I would I would have gone down the path of, you know, doing drugs. Um, yeah. You know, really not caring about my life. Really just throwing, you know, my life away basically. Yeah. Um, cause that's kind of the place I was in. 
Um, cause I was ready to do that. You know, I was ready to do that and I was kind of committed to doing that. You know, I was committed to, okay, so the committed to that whole would. lifestyle. What's that? Yeah. So at the age of 16, you would. Yeah. So, you know. so would you have joined the Jets or the Sharks? <laughs> on the old West Side Story. Yeah, you know. Or would you have fallen in love with Maria? <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. that's New York, surely. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I, I got to I gotta watch the new West Side Story movie. Uh, I know it's on Disney Plus now, so I got to check that out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then I went to Nyack and studied a whole bunch of stuff, met my wife and yeah. So, so in high school, then you're 16. You've had this wake up call. You you're changing direction. Yeah. What was it like the first time you went to church? After that. Yeah. So I started going to uh, actually started going to Korean church. Um, I grew. I, I like to say like I was the only person that like wasn't. Korean at the church that I went to and uh it was awesome um I felt like there was such belonging basically how that happened was it was high school and there was an after school program and uh they invited me you know students invited me to go to their church and I went to their church and it was Korean church and it was awesome like the way they did church was just incredible like they would they would uh you know be really passionate about their music and you know give sermons and then we would have this gigantic feast and I was like, this is like Italian culture, you know, and I, I felt such a sense of belonging. I felt like, you know, I belonged and had a lot of questions. You know, I, I definitely made sure that I was answering those questions and I was putting to test all the questions because I had a lot of questions about faith mm-hmm. and about like all these things. And, you know, that's what really pursued me to, uh, per, you know, pursue that education um, that I that I did pursue. So, yeah. Now. It might be a difficult question, but how did your family take it? And did you get ridiculed for going to a Korean church? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, there, there was definitely a change that occurred. There was a, there was a change that occurred in me very drastically, uh, very fast. And it was just like, whoa, like what happened? what happened to quote unquote, our son, you know, cause he like, he, he went from being this one person to another person. And, um, yeah, there, there were some interesting, you know, elements. Um, and, uh, yeah, we definitely had our fair share, but, um, you know, it was, it was, it was a cool, it was a cool time in my life to be able to, you know, show them that it was something positive, you know, that I was, that mm-hmm. I was like changing into rather than that, that other path that I, I would have yeah. probably taken. So. Hmm. And what about the other kids at school? Did they, they take the mickey out of you at all? Or, or, or did they just, just accept that? My friends. You know, yeah. My friends, my friends yeah, yeah. were like, cause you know, my, I guess my nickname used to be like crazy Phil, you know? And, and I, I went from being this, this over the top, like rebel or, you know, whatever. And, you know, comic to somebody that just completely changed overnight. And, and they did look at me that like very differently, 
And Mm -hmm. so in that case, I started actually hanging out with people who were kind of like me. Um, And I started hanging out with people that, you know, went through similar experiences or people that just accepted me for who I was, you know, so. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's move on a little bit then. Yeah. Um, So junior high or high school and then where'd you go after that college, I guess? Yeah, I went to college. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So did you guess, let's, let's just wind it back again. Yeah. High school, you were playing American football. Yeah, I was. Mm-hmm. So what position did you play? I was on uh, the line. So I was on offensive line, defensive line. Um, you know, I was captain of the team and um, we lost every single game <laughs> <laughs> that year. <laughs> it was one yeah, of those I know teams. I on the losing team. Yeah, we I had. American football. Oh, you did? Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I played for, for, for a couple of teams over here in England. That's awesome. It was quite big. It was quite big at the back end of the 80s. Yeah. And I played for a, a team called Milton Keynes Pioneers. Wow. And um, I, I played for a couple of seasons with them, and we were conference champions. Wow. At the, uh, in 1988. Wow. And I, I played my part in that. I was a... Uh, I was essentially an outside linebacker. Okay. And occasionally I stab up to defensive end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and we played a, I mean, it's quite a high level as well. For sure. Um, we had American coaches and all the rest of it. And yeah, it was great fun. And then uh, the following year, I went and, and I played with a different team called the Chilton Cheaters. Wow. Who were, who were about, I think they were about one or two divisions lower than what I was playing at because I yeah. was playing at a high level at sort of a national level yeah. and, and we were playing at sort of regional level and this this first game I had with them oh I had a, I had an absolute ball absolute ball I had about half a dozen sacks <laughs> oh, that's um, awesome I, I was being double teamed and I was still getting through that's awesome and this poor quarterback I felt sorry for him I really oh, did oh man so you love football I was thinking about I was thinking about laying off of him but <laughs> yeah, it's well, awesome. I mean, Listen, it was good fun that day. That is amazing. I'm I was saying, okay, so I am coming off of watching Ted Lasso. So I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like, that's so awesome that you love football, like American football. Um, so it's it's just really awesome to hear. Well, I first started um following it or, or watching it. I'm not I'm not a big, big follower, but um in, in 1978, um, we were posted to Berlin. Best posting I ever had in the British Army. Wow. So we were in Berlin. You we, served, we, yeah. We, we, we had, we had um, British Forces radio. Wow. Um, and that's all we had. Um, but we could pick up the American Forces Network. Wow. And they used to have a lot of American football on. Wow. And... I started watching the old uh, Dallas Cowboys with yeah. um, Coach Landry and uh, Roger and Starbeck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's all Vera. And um, I watched the Super Bowl where um, it, it came down to the, the dying seconds of the game. And, yeah. and Roger Starbeck, he oiked this, this Hail Mary pass, they called it. And it must have been about sort of, Hundred jars down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and he caught it, and they won the game. And it's wow. ours. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of followed American football. Mm. I, 
And we used to have um, Super Bowl parties around my house. That's awesome. <laughs> and we'd halfway through the night. I mean, oh my gosh. So, so yeah, three, four, five o'clock in the morning, they're playing this game. And, and That's and awesome. We were, we're on it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a Jets fan, and there's rumors that, uh, our owner is going to try to do something with England or some sort of collaboration. I have no idea, but I, that's the rumors that I'm hearing, but I don't know. Well, well they, they, we get, we get the uh, American football comes over yep. um, mm-hmm. in the season. Yeah. And um, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Jacksonville. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my job was, I, I was, I used to get, Army guys or military guys yeah. to go to Twickenham to to carry flags out on the pitch and to to Wembley to take flags out on the pitch just yeah. prior to the game. The Jacksonville Jaguars came over, and I was the link between the events company and the the the, the venue, the teams. Mm. Um, so the Jacksonville Jaguars came over, and, and it was their home game. Mm. Um, and we, I, I had to find a hundred guys, and it wasn't hard. Uh, <laughs> and I also, also got my mate, who's a Chelsea pensioner, um, <laughs> went out in the middle of the pitch to do the coin toss at the beginning of the game. And, and so there's Chelsea pensioner out there as well. <laughs> wow! So that, that, that was a few fun. years ago. Then, yeah, it was great fun. And, that's uh, awesome. You guys get a ticket to watch the game as well. So yeah, that's awesome. So, you're captain of the team and you managed to lose every game. What were you doing wrong? Uh, (laughs) Well, we didn't have enough players. Um, So, we had people play on both sides. And then by the time the third, uh, end of the third quarter ran around, you know, everybody was tired. Yeah. And that's that's when the the other team has all got got about 50, 60, 70, 80 players against you and and they got fresh legs coming on all the time. Exactly. We would, we would hold up sometimes um, up yeah. until the end of the third quarter. And then once the fourth quarter hit, you know, we all looked at each other and, you know, it was just like, we're going to lose, you know, because we were just Should so we tired. more time in the gym prepping then? We tried. We did so much. We did so much conditioning. Mm. We did conditioning till we threw up, you know. Um, yeah. And then went back out and, yeah, so. So, did you manage to get a football scholarship to uh, college? Or? Yeah, so that was the whole thing. Um, you know, there was an opportunity um, to choose to go to a college, uh, to walk on, you know, to really grind out. I actually had a friend or an, well, a cousin, you know, that was uh, that could provide me with a tryout, you know, with an opportunity to walk on and grind, you know, my way there, starting special teams, all that stuff. And uh, there was that, or go to Nyack College and study pastoral ministry. And I, I chose to go to Nyack. <laughs> so uh, I just, I just did. Oh, took the easy route, did you? <laughs> yeah, I, just, I chose Nyack because uh, there was a lot of growth that I needed to go through, um, a lot of stuff that I needed mm-hmm. to learn, um, you know, as as a man and um, you know, in my faith as well. So that's what I chose, yeah. and you know, it was one of the greatest decisions I ever made. So what were the studies that you were doing? What did you major in? Yeah, so I majored in pastoral ministry and uh, intercultural studies, study of culture, and then obviously pastoral Mm -hmm. ministries, study of, you know, becoming a pastor and like all that stuff. Um, So yeah, 
that's, that's kind of what, what I did, you know, it was, uh, some stuff about sermons, you know, like, uh, talking about sermons, how to conduct a sermon, all that fancy schmancy stuff. Um, one of my favorite classes though, was personal spiritual formation, which basically had you deal with your junk in your life. Um, and you know what, like the process on dealing with it and writing a grief journal, um, and a grief journal is basically stuff that you've lost in your life. And it could be like so small, you know, and, and you're just wondering why does this bother me so much? And you just keep writing about it and then eventually just getting all your junk out there. Um, so that way you're not sure that's so that way you're not carrying it, you know, and, and that you're giving it, you're giving it to God. So, um, that was, that was one of the big things. Um, that was oh, one of the nice. big classes. That's, that's nice. Get all your, get all your rubbish out there and give it to God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first you give it to him. Why don't you just chuck it in the bin? <laughs> let, let the devil have it. Yeah. Tuck it in the bin or, uh, you know, just, you know, kind of, kind of the beach ball analogy or, yeah, you know, to where if you put a beach ball underneath, um, some water, it's going to, it's going to come back up. It's going to rise back up. You put it under a rug, like it's going to pop out like an evil surprise, you know? Mm. Um, so dealing with your stuff is so important. And you know, that's, a, that's a lot of what I've, uh, life lesson for me in general. I, I've been dealing with my stuff, you know, and I try mm. to deal with my stuff whenever I can. Um, you know, went, went through something after college, you know, where I, uh, was working a really good job. You know, I was working a job that, you know, was really high, high paying and, uh, you know, it was really, it was really great, but they were telling me to lie. They were telling me to like do all these things and everything. And, and then they go, Oh, you're in marketing then. You're using an ad agency. (laughs) So I guess, I guess you could call it that. Um, it was, it was something, it only had, there was only four people in the entire company. Um, Mm. and they were stuck in their ways and they told me to lie um, because if we lied, then we would get approval to get more funds, um, and like all this stuff. And, you know, it was quite a lot of money. Um, but I stood my ground. I made sure to say like, no, I'm not going to do this. And they looked at me like, you're basically not a part of our club. So mm. that was one of the real traumatic things, you know, um, that happened after college. Cause you know, I was engaged to Catherine, um, which, you know, we're, we're married now, which is awesome but we were yeah. engaged and we had plans and we were going to live somewhere, you know, in Long Island, like whatever. And all this felt like it got taken from me, um, from that moment. So I, mm-hmm. I had everything set. I felt like, and uh, all of it got taken from me. It was a really difficult moment in my life. And, um, honestly that class really shaped, uh, for a lot of what I basically do right now. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's what it was. You know, I wrote a book. I wrote a book from that mm-hmm. place of trauma, from that place of pain. And I basically used the strategy of grief journaling. Um, but I used it in a different way and uh, it became a book. Um, so it's pretty crazy. So you've, you've, you've gone to college, you've, you've majored in becoming a pastor. Is that different to becoming like a priest? Yeah, so I mean, could 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 you be a priest? Could you go and um, get a church and 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 be the the vicar in a church, or or is it just all being a lay preacher? Yeah, so yeah, um, I guess I guess you would say the second one. Um, 
Yeah, I guess I guess you would say the second one. Yeah, there's a lay preacher. Yeah. So so you can't conduct um, weddings and funerals. No, and I bond. would be able to if I you know had chosen to get ordained or anything mm. or go down that path. Um, what I like to say is you know whatever vocation I'm doing, whatever work I'm doing, you know I, I'm trying to just be a light in all I do, uh, whether that's in word in what I'm saying or but mostly in my action, you know, in the way that I'm portraying myself and, you know, the way that, um, you know, I'm, I'm living my life. So, yeah. Okay. So I guess this job didn't last too long then if I didn't, if you didn't agree with their practices. Yeah. Um, so I went through a whole training, um, and that lasted about eight months. Um, it was like eight months of training and then, uh, and then about two months, um, or three months. Um, so I, I was around, it was a year that it lasted. So, uh, it didn't last very long, but, uh, it was a lot of promises and it was a lot of unfulfilled promises. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was something that I really had to, had to walk through and I'll be completely honest with you. I'm still walking through today. Um, you know, whether it's the process of forgiveness, uh, forgiving, uh, these people and, you know, moving forward, I'm just being transparent and honest. That's just where I'm at. And, uh, but writing really helped. Writing really helped uh, me deal with a lot of this stuff. Okay. So that lasted a year. What did you do after that? I mean, when did you get married and where did that fall into the plans? So, so you've lost a job after a a year of sort of. What transpired after that? Uh, I was really low, you know. Um, I was really low and uh, trying to pick up the pieces. Um, you know, it kind of felt like a boxing match um, where I'd been knocked on the canvas and I was unconscious and I was mm-hmm. there for a while. Um, so I felt like that um, for quite a while. Um, and, you know, eventually I started, like I said, I started writing and that's, that's eventually, you know, where I came out with my book. Um, you know, I started, you know, continuing to write. That was honestly where, where this whole thing came to be. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah. So did you get a job then or or after, after this or when you were, when you were low or or was it? Yeah. So this was, this was, uh, this was way back in 2017. So, um, this, this happened in 2017. Um, you know, we got, we got married that summer and then, you know, I continued on and, you know, Catherine was doing grad school, uh, you know, while we, while we were married and I was working, I started working in September of that year. Um, and I was working from September to May and, you know, worked basically at the college that we met. Um, (laughs) and then, and then I had a job, you know, as a server, worked as a server. Um, and then, you know, the book came out and, you know, I was also teaching. Um, I was, you know, driving for Uber and Lyft and, um, you know. Whatever you could to get by. Yeah, whatever I could. Yeah. So did, did you manage to get your own place or were you living with parents or? No. Uh, yeah, we, we managed to. Uh, you know, get our own place. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, 
as an apartment, I guess, because that's all you have in in uh, New York. Is it just apartments? No, we have apartments. We have houses as well. Um, yeah. You know, but um, yeah, it was uh, grad school housing. You know, she was she yeah. was a student, so you know, we were staying on campus um, for that year when she finished uh, grad school. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So what was she um, learning then? What was uh, she? she uh, yeah, she learned. Uh, she got a master's in social work. Yeah. All right. There's a big, big call for social work nowadays everywhere. Um, yeah. I mean, the amount of people that are suffering and need social work, social care. Yeah. I mean, mental health issues left, right, and Chelsea at the moment. Um, yep. It's everywhere. In fact, yep. I'm doing a live stream on Thursday. Um, a mental health special, and I've got wow. some, some guys, girls coming on to to talk about um, mental health issues and, yeah. and how we deal with it. Yeah. So, mm. so 2017. Where are we coming from there? Are we coming forward from there? Your book came out. You say? Yeah, my book came out 2018, October of 2018. Yeah. Okay. What's mm-hmm. the book called? Yeah, it's right here. Um, it's called Jesus Loves Movies. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, yes. before we get to that, <laughs> um, so does he? Has he been to the movies? <laughs> yeah. So what I went through was a traumatic experience, and you know, I started watching movies, and I felt like these movies were really speaking to my life. And you know, I think it's funny about movies. People love them. People love movies, and there's a reason mm-hmm. why people love movies is because they connect with us. And I found this very spiritual connection between movies and my life. And I started writing about it. And then all of a sudden it became a book. Uh, I never even planned on it becoming a book. Just started, you know, having it as a grief journal. Eventually had a conversation with someone. He was a part of a publishing house and we started talking and then he was like, let's do it. And uh, it came out as a soft launch in October of 2018. Didn't really tell many people about it. Didn't tell bookstores. Catherine encouraged me to tell a bookstore. I told the local Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, the summer of 2019, uh, the book was in over 500 plus Barnes and Noble stores. Um, it was in Walmart, Target, independent stores throughout the uh, United States. Uh, I got to do book signings. Um, and all these places I got letters from people I never thought I would get letters from. So it was a lot of redemption um, that I felt from what I'd been through, um, from in the way that I was wronged. I don't know if you've ever seen The Count of Monte Cristo or you ever heard of the story of The Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah, it's a very yeah. old film now. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, they came out with a recent like one. Somebody will make it, do a remake of it, I'm sure. They came um, out with so a recent one in 2002, about 20 years mm-hmm. ago. Um And, uh, you know, I really relate to that movie. I relate to that story because, you know, Edmund has everything going for him. He's married. He's about to get married. He just got promoted with his new job, you know, and and everything is going right with this guy. And he's like, well, liked like all this stuff. And then everything gets taken from him in a very unjust way. And so that's really what sparked everything. That's what sparked this whole journey. And, you know, it honestly feels like, it feels like redemption to be able to tell my story, to be able to share 
um, you know, some of, some of what I process through in a book and the fact that it's been helping people is really, really tremendous. Yeah. So the publishing company, they did, they did all the legwork for you then. They, because it's really, really difficult to, to get a publisher to take a book from an unknown, firstly, an unknown writer and to take a punt on it. So do you know, I mean, what, what was the secret? Was it, was it knowing a guy um, that um, in the publishing house that, that, that took a punt on you? Yeah, so originally, mm-hmm. so originally, you know, it was a small publishing house. I was talking with him, and then uh, eventually, you know, we just came, he was going through a move and everything. He was actually moving uh, down south. Um, and it just didn't seem like the right timing for him, but he still wanted to work on it. Um, mm-hmm. and he said, basically like, look, we'll work on it, but you can independently publish it. And so that's what happened. We eventually went there because I was like, I just need this to be out. I need, I need the story to be told. I need all this. And it became an independently published book. And it's one of the only independently published books that has made it into you know, these stores, um, you know, mm. and, uh, it's, it's really an honor and a privilege to be able to say that. Um, and yeah. So, so how did you fund it then? If you, if, if you, if you're doing it independently, I mean, it's not cheap yeah. to have a, a book, yep. mm-hmm. um, printed in the first place. I mean, yep. just a single copy is, is, is a, is a ream of paper. <laughs> yeah. Paper's not cheap nowadays. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have, uh, we have what's called, uh, distributors, um, you know, specific distributors. The biggest distributor right now in America is lightning source or Ingram spark. Um, and they do distribute internationally as well. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, uh, but basically they're a great distributing company. I chose them. And basically what happens is, is they act as the liaison between me and the bookstore. And if a bookstore um, wants to put books on their shelf, what they would do is they would order them from Ingram Spark. I would, you know, put all the ISBN, which is the identifying, uh, yeah, you yeah. know, code and all that. Um, and, you know, all the PDF information and all that stuff into their system. And then the bookstore would then order uh, from the distributor. So the distrib- my distributor is Ingram Spark. And they've uh, handled all the distribution. They've handled all the printing, um, and yeah. So, do you have to front out some funds? So it's print or... on the. So it's print on demand. So basically, um, if if a bookstore is inquiring about it and they want copies, they they select the amount, Ingram prints it and sends it to the bookstore. That's pretty wow. much it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's. And then, and then you get the royalties, I guess. Yeah, so it's a split, you know, on certain things, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's kind of how that works. Yeah, I guess they... So how, how, how do the bookstores know about your book to start with? Yeah, so... How is it publicized? Yeah, so once it got into that one store, um, you know, that Catherine urged me um, to do or to just talk, I just talked to, you know, a a manager of one of the stores 
um, he was like, yeah, sure. We'll order it day and day and date, you know, release date. And then all mm. of a sudden it just started appearing, um, in other stores. Um, and then I, I looked over and I saw the amount of stores that it had been in. It, it was over 500, um, you know, all mm. throughout the United States. And, you know, it was in, I remember, I, I remember traveling, I was in Florida and, um, there were books on the shelf in a Barnes and Noble store of my book. And I was like, what the heck? Took pictures. I remember my friend from California was like, Hey Phil, I found this in the store. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Um, you know, and like, yeah. So it's been a pleasure. It's been, you know, it's been an honor, um, to be able to say that, to be able to have that. So it's pretty cool. Do you know how many copies you sold so far? So, um, do they give you a running tally of um, how it's going? Yeah. So, if we're talking all formats like ebook, audible, uh, like audiobook and print, it, the number's around 20,000 um, mm-hmm. copies. Um, and if we're talking like the amount of printed copies um, that, are, that are in circulation right now, it would probably be around half of that uh, that are in rotation right now. Um, so like half of them are printed. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Audible. Who did mm-hmm. the uh, who who read it? Yeah, I have this guy. I, I researched a whole bunch of people, and I was like, I wanted to get the most movie sounding guy ever, and I found this guy. His name is Bob Dun- Bob Dunsworth. Uh, he's awesome. He's done voice acting um, for mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. He's done voice acting for the Transformers. Um, he's been on uh, you know radio shows. He, he just has like the coming soon to a theater near you. He has like that type of voice. <laughs> so I was like, this is perfect. I'm just going to choose this guy. And he agreed on it and I uh, wanted to do it. So. so you went, you got him into a professional studio and he read the book. Um, yes. He has, he has, he has his own. Yeah. So um, Amazon has um, this thing. It's called the ACX audible creation exchange. Um, and, and that's pretty much the, the way in which the process is on, you know, if you, you get an audiobook and it distributes to iTunes, uh, it distributes to, um, to Amazon and audible, um, you know, pretty much. And, uh, and Apple music, I believe as well. So those are four, um, four of the distributing, uh, channels. So, yeah. yeah. So, I'm a subscriber to Audible, and I, I, I download uh, Audible uh, yeah. books and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, so you pay the subscription, and you get a credit. And, yeah, and, and so yeah, you know, I'll have a look for your book. Oh, I I appreciate that very much, Tim. I appreciate mm. that. Yeah, because don't tell anybody, but I'm a little bit dyslexic when it comes to to reading. So. I, 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 although I can read, and, and but I, I, it takes me time. Yeah. Um, no. Hey. Yeah. But I prefer and to listen to a book than listen. Than, yeah. You know, I wanted yeah. to make it completely accessible. Um, that was that was uh, you know the point. You know, I want it to be as accessible as possible. So that's why it's in those formats. That's why it's in Audible. Um, that's why it's in um, paperback and ebook as well. So yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. So where are you now then? So where does it bring you up to? Yeah. Um, so are you making a living out of the book? 
Yeah. Um, you know, I like to say like my motto in life is, uh, life is not about power, money or fame, but it's about impacting people's lives. And, uh, you know, that's where I'm at. Um, you know, my goal is to impact people's lives and, and, and that's, that's what I feel like, you know, I've, I've, I have a desire to do and I want to do. Um, and I feel like that's been happening. Um, so that's been really awesome. Right now, currently, um, I do a whole bunch of stuff um, aside from, you know, the author sort of life. Um, yeah. I'm a Twitch streamer. I stream on Twitch, playing video games and hanging out with people and doing live streaming stuff. Um, I'm also a job coach, um, you know, on my, on my nine to five. Um, so I do that as a full-time job. Um, and yeah, sometimes I'll pick up a couple Uber drives and Lyft drives cause I just want to talk to people. Um, yeah. I really, I love talking to people. Um, I am such a people person. I need to be talking to people like all the time. So, uh, yeah. Good. I, and are you still, uh, are you preaching? Uh, do you, uh, do you still go uh, um, to God bother to a, to a church and, are you are you doing your lay preaching? Or are you a pastor part time? Yeah. So, like I said, you know, I feel like I feel like the education that I got was more for the purpose in my life that I was going to fulfill, not necessarily the vocation that I was going to land. Um, mm-hmm. So, I feel like in whatever vocation I'm doing, I wanna I wanna glorify God in all I do, and you know, and and love others and you know, do the best I can to be a light to this world. So, you know, that, that's honestly where I'm at today. Um, and, uh, yeah, that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah. So your Sundays are taken up then? I'm sorry? You say your Sundays are taken up then? No, we go to church. So, you know, we, we have a church community. <laughs> we do. We have a community of yeah. people, you know, and, uh, yeah. So. Is it, are you still with a Korean church? Or, so I, or you're back to the Catholic one? So the, the, the Italian one. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a diverse crowd. Uh, you know, um, you know, I'll, I'll go to, I'll go to any church, you know, it's, I believe in the capital C, you know, the whole body, yeah. you know, everybody, everybody is, uh, everybody's a part of the church. So, um, that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of where, where I'm at. So, yeah. Happy days. Yeah. And how's your wife? She's great. Um, you know, she, she works. Um, she does. She does some fun stuff, and yeah, she uh, she's awesome. I love her. I love spending time with her. Um, love making memories, and uh, it's great. Yeah. Any saucepan lids on the way? Got plans for oh, kids? Wow. Any any little fills? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> nothing yet. Uh, you know, we we uh, we've been praying about it. You know, we don't know yet. We, we always said, uh, five years from once, you know, we started, you know, from once we got married and yeah, June, uh, 17th of 2017. So June is coming up very soon and that'll be uh, five years. Are you, are you getting an awful lot of pressure from the parents? Oh my gosh. Not really. You're no. Being Italian, I mean, I know what Italians are <laughs> like. Oh, I've been with me a few times. I know what the Italian fans are like. <laughs> no, they're great. They're great. They're they're great. Take your time, you know, all this stuff. They're great. They yeah. really are. Yeah, they're super supportive. They're super awesome. I love my family. Yeah, they're cool. awesome. Yeah. And have you been to Italy? 
Oh, I have. Yeah. Love Italy. Yeah. Where, it's like home. Whereabouts? Bari. Apulia. Napoli. Ah. No, La, La Puglia. Uh, Bari. Whereabouts is that? Uh, yes. North, so, south? It's a bit Middle. south. South of Rome. South, south of Rome. Rome. Yeah, on the water, uh, the east side. So. Yeah. Yeah. On the Adriatic side. Yep. Yep. Know it. Mm -hmm. I know. I've been to Italy quite a lot. Oh, um, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Nice. I've, uh, I'm mainly in the north. Okay. Um, I'd say a couple of years ago, I went to Bologna. Okay. To the Ducati factory on my Ducati. <laughs> um, I've I've actually flown hang gliders wow. out, of, uh, out of Italy, uh, up in, um, we were based at um, Aviano, which is the American Air Force base uh, in Italy. It's in northern Italy. It's just south of the, the Dolomites. Uh, and, and we went out there on a hang gliding expedition. Oh, man, Tim, I got to hang out with way, you, man. Way back. Um, and so, so we flew the, just literally on the edge of the Dolomites. Um, fantastic couple of weeks we had there. Um, and then and then I've been there on my motorbike. Um, <laughs> we, we went up, we went from Bologna and we went up to go over to Gross Glockner, which is a, one of these famous roads. And we, we got all the way up to, the, to, to where the payage is and, and the road starts proper going over the top. And uh, they just closed it. It just started snowing on the top. Bugger. <laughs> <laughs> we had to come all the way back down. We had to go into the next valley and then <laughs> go... And then we had to go through the mountain on a train to get into Austria. Wow. Um, and then and then we went to um, Berchtesgaden and the, the Eagle's Nest mm. before going on to um, München. We mm. went to Munich, to mm. the Hofbrau House. Mm. Uh, yeah, had a cracking trip. And then from there we went to uh, Colditz. Wow. Do you know about Colditz? No. Colditz Castle. It, was, it became famous during the Second World War as a prisoner of war camp. Wow. And they put all the uh, all the chief escapers in wow. the coldings, thinking wow. that they could hold them, and they didn't. <laughs> wow. So. Wow. What a life, Tim. I, I need to hear from oh. you, man. Well, I, I, this is how I got into this podcast in Malarkey in the first place. Um, I've been I've been doing Audible, uh, not Audible, uh, ancestry. Okay. Um, this is this is way before um, the COVID kicked in. Yeah. So I was looking at my fa family history and that, and I found my granddad and my great granddad, who came from where I live now, in which I, I live in Gosport. They they were in Portsmouth. Wow. My great granddad was a chief stoker in the navy. Wow. My granddad was a chief writer in the navy. Wow. And they both they were both in the First World War. Wow. And um both of them died before I was born. And I, wow. I, I thought to myself, I'd love to have uh, had a chat with them about their lives and, and one thing and another. And I thought we got into into this lockdown malarkey and yeah. uh, the first lockdown and, and I started you know, drinking far too much spice rum that, that was that was good for me. Wow. So I thought well, why don't I use one of my old skills uh, and, and record my life? Wow. Because 
So that's how, that's how I started. I did 24 half an hour episodes of my life. Wow. So if if a, if you if you're suffering from insomnia or know anybody else that I'm gonna listen from insom- yeah. insomnia, get them onto my podcast <laughs> and, and they go out of sleep in minutes. No, so, I'm sure they're yeah. great stories, man. I'm gonna listen. So so I did 24 half hour episodes of my life, and then I did a couple more in-depth ones. I did uh, I did six trips down to Morocco with a truck for a friend of mine. Wow. Um, so I did that as a separate one, and then I did um, a couple. I did the, I did a couple of trips to Colditz wow. uh, and Auschwitz. Um, so I did that, and and then I thought, where do I go from here? <laughs> We're still in lockdown. I, I thought, well, why don't I do other people? Wow. So I started with my mum, and, and I had a chat with my mum, and uh, and hundred and twenty eight. Odd episodes later, here I am. <laughs> I'm doing Phil. That's incredible, Tim. What a story! I mean, and the, and the whole idea behind it is to leave a legacy for wow. future generations. Wow. So, with my my grandchildren, their children, uh, and and generations for the future, will be able to sit back, watch this on YouTube, or, or listen to the podcast. And, and get an idea of what people's lives were like at this time in history. Wow. 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 Okay. Tim, that's, that's amazing. Ordinary people's extraordinary stories came from. Wow. There you go, Phil. Thank you very much for sharing your story. Absolutely, Tim. It's a pleasure. I mean, it's a pleasure listening to you, being with you. It's great. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening and look forward to the next one. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you.